There is no question that divorce and debt can be a dangerous combination. If you're not careful, divorce can wreak havoc on your credit score, making it very difficult to get credit in the future. My guest here today is Jacqueline Shapiro, and she's gonna talk with us about things people can do to protect their credit score, to create a more amicable process in the divorce that can also be beneficial for their future. She is the founding member of Shapiro Hearst & Associates, located here in Dallas, Texas, and she's been helping people work through their credit issues for over 25 years. Jacqueline, thank you so much for taking time to be here. Oh, it is my pleasure, Jennifer. All right, as we get started talking about this very important issue, mm -hmm. I just want to talk about the credit score. What is it? Why is it that on every credit card statement, I have a different credit score? I'm always so confused about that. So can you kind of help us like unbundle the myths or mysteries around the credit score? That is such a great place to start because it's such a point of confusion for so many people. So if you are looking at that bank credit report, or you're going to Credit Karma, or you're using one of a hundred credit monitoring services out there, most of the time you're getting a Vantage credit score. Okay. All right. Now, when we work in the real world and we're buying the house, we're buying the car, we're getting car insurance or a cell phone, all of these things are going to be based on FICO. All right. So think of your Vantage score as a consumer credit score and FICO as a commercial credit score. Now, it's not that one is good or bad, they're just different. And typically, generally, not always, but most of the time Vantage is gonna show higher than FICO. There can be as much as a 40 to 60 point difference between the two. Wow. And not to make things more confusing, but there are actually 60 different versions of FICO. <laughs> I was gonna say, when I look on that credit, when I look at the statement, it says FICO score. Uh -huh. So even though it says FICO score, I'm still looking at a, a consumer version of the score. Well, yes and no. Okay. So if, let me, let me put it into context. So context, contrast, right? Um, if we're gonna go get a mortgage, when you buy a mortgage, that score is going to be based on a two, four, and five version of FICO. But when you go on to that FICO that's inside your credit card company or inside your bank, you're probably getting a FICO eight or a FICO, even if not a FICO nine, potentially. So those are, those are all variations. So yeah, they're always gonna be different and a car, going to buy a car is different from buying a house and that score is different from what a credit card companies pull and that score is gonna be different from what you see on auto insurance. Oh my gosh, okay, all right. So so there's actually within FICO, there's different like brand, there's different, I guess, calculations or looking at different things. Right, so all of these different versions are gonna to contribute to different things. So my recommendation when it comes to watching your credit score and being on top of the credit is first and foremost, have a really great credit monitoring service okay. and really be paying attention to the account information, making sure everything's on time every time. You know, if something new pops up, get professional help. Don't just assume you can jump in and handle this problem yourself. You might actually make things worse. Right. Okay. All right. So that's what I want to talk about then. So where do you come in? Like what is, what does professional help look like if you're trying to correct things or get that, you know, get that one late payment off your credit report? Um, you know, I guess kind of what, what can we expect and, and what do you do? How do you help people? 
So think of me as more of a professional problem solver, okay. right? So if, if a credit report comes to me, credit reports are like kids. They're all highly unique. Every situation is completely different. You know, so one person might come to me and say, okay, I want to buy this house. Or one person may come to me, um, you know, in your arena and say, okay, you know, unfortunately, I'm going through this horrible situation. I need to strategically outline how I need to tackle this. How can I be smart about how I'm going to tactically address these issues? Another person may come to me and say, okay, well, you know what? I do, I do want to buy a house, but I also have business venture A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And I need to do, you know, these other things down here. So each one of those, it depends on what that personal goal is, what that ideal time frame is, what's most important to that individual, and then taking that and really triaging the credit report, really, so that we can, we can go, okay, here's what's going on now. Here's what we're wanting to accomplish. How do we make these things fit? And then just bringing the conversation into context for that individual of, okay, well, if we're going to do the house and the business, we need to structure this a specific way. So really bringing strategy into the conversation about how debt is being used, whether it's personal or in, in business. Absolutely. One of the things when we're talking about the credit score, of course, I mean, you know, I think everybody knows that the better credit score you have, the better credit uh, terms you have, right? Of course. But it can really make a big difference. Just a few, I mean, like some point spread, right? Mm -hmm. Can you kind of give us an overview of what, what that difference might look like and mean for people? Absolutely. Okay. So I can't take credit for calculating these numbers. (laughs) This was actually done by an astrophysicist on just a car loan. Okay. All right. So good credit versus bad. Now, we both know you can do a 0% interest loan on a car these days, but these numbers were calculated at 1.99 and 14.99. And on the bad side, it can actually go up to 20%. Crazy. Okay. So that's the the front side of this. Now, $30,000 vehicle over five years. That 1.99 person, they're paying about $1,500 worth of interest. Okay. Okay, at 14.99, they're paying over $11,000 worth of interest on that same vehicle. So if you were to just take a car, car insurance, a home, um, credit cards, for the normal person, good credit versus bad, that actually equates to about $9,000 extra per year you're paying just because you don't have a good credit score. That's amazing. And so when... I mean, I'm just thinking right now, like kind of in the, the market that we're in, of course, we mm-hmm. keep hearing about increasing interest rates. And so even even for good credit, I, people, I mean, we know the rates are going up. So I can imagine, are they also go, going up on the, on the riskier side if you have a lower credit score? Well, and it's not just that, but, you know, those lower credit scores, I mean, yes, there can be a life event that takes place. But from my experience, most of it is just simply a lack of education. Nobody's out there to really teach people how this system works and what they should and shouldn't be doing. I mean, we can use a few common sense things like pay your bills on time. Right. Right. But there's so much more to the credit system than just pay your bills on time. So I find that some of it is just simple lack of education. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you people that you see people make because of that lack of education? Um, well, okay, so if somebody is restarting 
life. Mm-hmm. Like after a divorce or a death? Potentially, yeah. Um, let's just, let's put it in context to your audience. Let's say okay. after a divorce. Right. And let's say that just for this first example, everything is on an even keel, right? It's fairly normal credit scores, not high achiever, but everything's fairly stabilized. But then the person thinks, okay, well, I've got to build credit, build credit. And they go open a credit card every time they go into JCPenney's or they get a credit card application and then they wind up with 15, 20 credit cards. This really isn't the healthiest <laughs> mixture, you know? So, so there are simple things that we can think are common sense, but a lot of the time you can't use the words credit and common sense in the same sentence. Right, because it just isn't common. <laughs> it is not. Uh, and so the idea of like going and opening a whole bunch of new credits to try and protect a credit score when you're in the midst of a divorce, not a good idea. Not a good idea. Okay. Um, the other biggest factor that I see is that most people are just, they're good people trying to do the right thing. And let's say a collection hits, right? And let's even say that they were totally unaware of it. And maybe they're in the process of doing something financial. It pops into the credit report. And this is the first time they know anything about this debt, right. right? They haven't received any kind of notice of it, legal notice of debt on the account. And so the good person, like we all do, we're all human, right? So we have this internal conversation in our head and it says, wow, well, you know, if I have this collection, it's got to make sense. If I pay this collection, it's going to be better for me. It's going to be better for my credit. It showed that I don't owe anybody any money. Right. That makes, that seems to me to make common sense. Here's the downside of that. Inside the credit report, there's a little bitty date called the date of last activity. Now, if that debt, for example, was, let's say it was five years old. Okay. And you're going to, you're going to understand why I'm coming back around. This. I, uh-huh. So let's say it was five years old, right? And it was Citibank or whoever. Pick a company, doesn't matter right. And it was several thousand dollars, for example. Now, the good person trying to do the right thing would think, I should call this company. I can negotiate this. This, you know, again, back to that right. good person, good things. But here's the problem. The moment, and especially if this is with any kind of company or debt mm-hmm. collector that is less than honorable or or working outside of a, you know, basic integrity, the moment that that person calls and makes an agreement to pay or gives them a payment. You have a new last activity. Not only do you have a new last activity, but in the state of Texas, at least for Texas residents, you just restarted the statute of limitations and now they could turn around and sue you too. Wow. And so if you had just ignored it and let it slide, then you may have, it may not have been collectible. It, right. So potentially, I mean, so that's where strategy and tactic come in, but actually that's where that common sense goes out the window because it is common sense. You know, I I should pay this, but the better part of valor is let's get it out of the credit report permanently. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure you're protected, that it's permanently resolved and there's not new problems that are beginning because it was just simply a lack of education going into the conversation. Very interesting. And so, of course, we're not, we're not suggesting people should be paying their debts, but it's really that if you've got an old debt, you really need to have a strategic approach to how you're going to handle that Right. Debt. So my disclosure there would be, yeah, 
I am not telling anyone don't pay your debts or don't make your obligations in any way, shape, form or fashion. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. All right. So what about like in a divorce? I mean, I, you know, I certainly see it. It's how I've gotten to know you is that there are right. common mistakes that people make in the divorce. And I think if, you know, if, if there were a little bit more um, awareness in the process that, you know, it's hard to go up and try to clean up a past mistake. So, so what are some of those mistakes that you see? So I think that if you're, if you're in that divorce process, right, there are so many things you can proactively do to make the, the process when it comes to the finance part of it so much easier for all parties involved. So as you know, if, if we sign, if I go buy a car and I sign that contract, I am financially responsible for the full amount of that contract. Right. So if you're in that divorce process, the first thing is get the account separated, right? So if I had a spouse and we had all of these debts together, I'd go, okay, what's in your name? What's in my name? At the end of the day, you are going to be responsible contractually for those those debts. I think it's so important because people don't realize that. They think they got to win when the divorce decreases, the other partner is going to pay the debt. But that's not a win because that debt is still in your name. And if the other partner doesn't pay it, there's not, there's no recourse really, very limited. And it's sad too, because the judge is gonna say, you're responsible for this, you're responsible for that. But when you sign that contract, you are responsible to the company you sign the contract with, and it'll have nothing to do with the decree whatsoever. So really looking at all the joint <coughs> debts and really understanding what is a joint mm -hmm. debt. People will sometimes think, oh, this is a joint credit card, but it's not really a joint credit card. It's a credit card where you're the primary account holder and the other party is an authorized user, right? That can happen for sure. And an authorized user does not have financial responsibility. So that's a good delineation between mm -hmm. those two. Um, but I think just going in and being very strategic about who's dead is whose, who's responsible for what contractually, mm -hmm. and then who's going to tackle what. I mean, if you do have that joint credit card, it's, it's really rare, but you could call the credit card company and ask for the debt to be assigned to one party specifically. They don't do that very often because it's a lot easier for them to collect the money if they've got more than one person right. on the line for it. But ideally, if you can actually have that conversation in advance and understand that simple fact of who's responsible for what, then it can help in the process. But if you get into that scenario where the house is in your name, but the spouse is getting it and the spouse is supposed to make the payments, then I would make the most sincere effort to make sure that that spouse can refinance into their name because ultimately the worst thing that could happen is you get past this divorce, you're three or four years into the future or five years, whatever that is, you fall in love, you wanna restart your life with someone else <laughs> and now you have this mortgage that's showing all these late payments that maybe you didn't even know about. And so you want to go buy a house and guess what? You can't do it. So what, I mean, you know, it seems like it would make sense to, you know, put a little note maybe in the credit explaining the situation. My spouse was awarded the debt and didn't pay on it. Does that do anything? Is there not any, a thing, not a thing, not a thing. And I don't recommend consumer statements and credit reports anyway. Okay. Because credit bureaus are only a repository of information. 
Credit bureaus will never take any responsibility for what they report. They they take the stance of, okay, we're just reporting what was sent to us. You know, it's not our fault. <laughs> we're just we're just reporting right. the information. Yeah. So, you know, it. But pr- getting into that protection mode for yourself, right? And then also doing things like, don't please don't co-sign stuff for your soon to be ex. <sighs> yes. You know, <laughs> let's let's take the finances and let's get those completely divided because getting on with the new part of your life, your finances are a big part of that. And unless you've got a really clear line between what's over there and what belongs to you, you're you're could be pre- and I I think this is so important if somebody has time to plan their divorce, if they kind of see it coming, maybe they're waiting until the kids graduate from Mm -hmm. high school or college or whatever, and you know it's coming, it's a good time to get really proactive about your credit and know what is in your name, what's joint, and really work on dividing that out. I think Mm -hmm. one of the, the biggest mistakes that I see too is that people, even during the divorce process, will put joint debts, put debts in both their names. And it's very hard to disentangle because ideally at the end of the divorce, you want to be separate. You want to be on your own and not having to worry about whether your ex is messing up your credit score. Yeah. Yeah. So getting everything divided out very clearly and having clarity in those conversations when at all possible is highly recommended. (laughs) I agree. I I, I do agree. Um, Okay. So when I'm driving down the street, I see all these little signs that credit repair posted on like, you know, the light posts or just, you know, on the corners. Um, and, the, and it seems like there are credit repair people everywhere out there. What what do people need to know and be wary of when it comes to the quote, credit repair industry? So great question. Um, if we were having this conversation a decade ago, I would tell you, hey, credit repair can be an amazing option for people. If I'm looking at this, from the viewpoint of today, the way the bureaus work and the way that the system works. Personal opinion, I do not believe that the credit, quote unquote, credit repair type of processes are really truly effective. Uh, Just speaking with peers and colleagues throughout the industry, Mm -hmm. and I'm very blessed, right? There's probably 60,000 people around our industry and there's a small group of about 60 that get an invitation every year. And so when we sit down, again, I feel very blessed to have that invitation. But one of the things that gets discussed is the credit repair industry. But speaking with other peers, you know, they're working in the credit repair industry. I do not. I I am more. That's like going to your doctor. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a heart surgeon (laughs) (laughs) when it comes to when it comes to your reports. But they're working on stuff at a bureau level. Generally, it's a credit bureau level only. It's designed to remove inaccuracies, not things that are accurate. And what we're really seeing is that even if they've got these negative things that are accurate and they do get removed, it's temporary and then things come back on, people wind up getting very frustrated. And so I believe firmly that this is one of those things that you are truly going to get what you pay for. Exactly. And so, and to be careful because I mean, you. They may be oh, way over promising what they're going to be able to deliver. Most of the time they're over promising what they can deliver. And so when somebody is working with you, like what are some of the, what are some of the expectations they should have? Like, 
I, I guess what I, let me back up for a second. Who is a good person to work with you? Like at what point should somebody give you a call to really begin to think strategically about credit? So my clients can vary um, across the board. We have a lot of high profile clients that we work with and we have a lot of teachers down the street that we work with. So if it's in your arena, then a proactive conversation to talk out what's going on and help them line out a plan is very easy to do. If it's somebody that's, let's say, buying a home, most of the calls I get are, I'm supposed to close on this loan in three <laughs> weeks, and this collection just popped in my credit report. I need magic done. Yeah. You know, so that's where we really shine with those relationships that we've built over the years. Because for us, it's more pick up phone call, navigate compliance appropriately, the problem is solved, and that person's back on track with Got permanent resol resolution for everything. Right. Uh, but I will tell you this, a lot of times I will tell my clients, hey, you may not always like the answers I give you. Mm -hmm. You may not, but I will be always extremely transparent with you. I'll be very direct. This can be done, this can't be done. And I think that that's lacking in most of those conversations around credit on somebody so, being able to just be direct. When you're working with somebody, what are you looking at? I mean, do you do you get to look at the various FICO numbers? Or are you looking at the consumer report? Or what do you, what do you get to see when you're working with? It depends the on the type of client that it is. So that that is a very broad scale. It's everything from credit monitoring to mortgage reports and everything in between. So for me, when I'm looking at it, I'm looking at, okay, where is this person? And again, that ties back into, if I was talking to you, I'd say, okay, Jennifer, tell me what your goals are. What's most important to you? What is your ideal time frame, right? Because that's gonna help me customize what needs to happen inside your reports. Then I would go through the reports in their entirety, just like if it was personally my reports with my experience, what would I do for myself? Right. Right. So I'm going to look at the scores. I'm going to look for optimizations. I'm going to look for problem areas. I'm going to look for, you know, how do we solve the problem areas? A lot of them, a lot of the times it's just, hey, no problem. This can be done. This can't be done. And if it's ever a questionable item, I'll go, hey, Jennifer, this is, <laughs> this is maybe a 50-50. This may be a Hail Mary. But, right, right. But just so that we have clarity in our conversation, this is how this looks. So it just, it's about breaking it down and then just having it in a very, transparent and simple conversation so that you can understand. I'm sort of feeling like this is sort of like just a part of your health checkup is that really, you know, sitting down and meeting it with you and just making sure that, you know, you're using debt in the most optimal way possible and that, mm -hmm. you know, the doesn't things aren't, aren't crazy coming out of the blue. So it's going to hurt you down the road. Is that sort of how, what it feels like? I mean, like when you were able to see people, you know, with regular check-ins that you're able to kind of steer clear of the, the crisis moments? Well, we actually, I do have um, a program inside my company that we call the 800 Club. And so when I break down a credit report for someone or any member of my team does, we always make short-term, mid-term and long-term goals for our okay. clients. And so once they've accomplished those short-term, which are generally 30 days or less, right, accomplishing those. Then long-term, I want all of our clients to be at that 760 plus level, because that's that high achiever, you're getting the best rates, you're saving the most money. And so our 800 club is actually, you have a professional in your credit reports every single month. Oh, that's great. Doing a check-in. Yeah. So, so it is a, it's a health checkup. 
yeah. that helps people financially inside our company. Hey, the credit card balances are a little high. Keep an eye on those. Hey, did you open this account? Or hey, you're doing an amazing job. Keep doing what you're doing. Everything looks beautiful. Great. And so that just helps. So when you go to make the big purchase or you go to do mm -hmm. the business deal or you go to buy the new car or whatever, you're just you're you're running at optimum health. Absolutely. That's great. Okay. One more area that I have to talk about because this is near and dear to my heart. I have three children. Um one of whom's not a teenager anymore, but two that still are. Um, and I, I know when I went away to college, I was inundated on the college campus with all the opportunities to get a credit card. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just want to talk a little bit about what should we be doing with our children, our young adults, to really help gear them up for good credit in the future? I, I love this question. I absolutely love this question. This is actually my legacy project is the kids. Uh, teaching the next generation how to handle credit and basic finance questions is actually part of where my legacy goes. So when it comes to the kids, I, I will use my daughter as the example. All right, so I'm very military mom <laughs> when it comes to this. And I'd always let my daughter know, you know, I will never co-sign anything for anyone, but I'm gonna make sure you have beautiful, great credit going into your young adult life. So as she was coming out of high school, we would sit down and, and now granted, she did have the benefit of, you know, mom would do a budget and mom would say, sit down, we're going to learn how to do this together mm -hmm. so that she could take some of that knowledge into her adult world. But when she came out of high school, I said, okay, we're going to sit down, we're going to do a few basic things. So for her, number one was, let's pull your credit reports and credit monitoring Let's make sure everything is still a blank slate, that nothing nefarious has taken place, which that was the case. Okay, check one. Right. All right, step two, we're gonna get you just a small little secured credit card, right? And here's how we're gonna manage it. So it's like $200. Okay, you are gonna spend, you're gonna use this credit card twice a week to buy your lunch, and then it's gonna be on automatic payment to pay off that $20 a month. Yep. We're gonna open you a small installment account. And it was really just a locked savings account is all it was. And so I said, okay, we're gonna go in here. We're gonna apply for this. And I made her get on the computer and physically do it. I walked her through it. I set yeah. aside her. But it's $15 a month. And you know, that was something that, again, let's put this on automatic payments. And then I added her to one of my credit card accounts as an authorized user. Okay. Now, it was a long-standing account with a high limit and perfect payments, and I wasn't crazy. I did not give my teenager my credit card. <laughs> but for credit reporting purposes, having this perfect storm of accounts, in 45 days, she was already at a 740. Wow, that's great. So you can do just a few very simple basic things outlined with expectations on how to use these accounts. And then education on these credit card offers. One of my other friends, uh, he literally started throwing the credit card offers on the box just to count how many. And there were 81. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just crazy. They're targeting these kids, and it's a good way to get in a whole heap of trouble. Yes, it um, is. <laughs> early on and, and a really, really difficult to dig out of. When When is credit important for our young adults? Like, when is, I mean, are, are 
landlords looking at credit reports or, you know, I mean, if they go to buy a car or something, it'll be important. Absolutely. So when they go to get their first apartment, they go to buy a car, all of these things are going to be directly tied to their to their credit scores. Now, they're always is is because they're age. They're always going to pay more for car insurance. But that doesn't mean they have to absolutely have that auto loan or, you know, get charged this huge security deposit just because they don't have a credit score when it's so easy to fix. Right. And within 45 days, you were saying, if you yeah, just start that three-step process. So. And if any of your listeners want that three-step process or where to go, give me a call. I love it. I love it. Well, you are so generous with information and I am so appreciative uh, to, to know you and to have you, you know, kind of in my resource box. I'm glad to get to share this because I think the important the information you have is so important. Oh, Jennifer, it's always a pleasure to see you. Okay. My last question for you. Okay. If somebody is really struggling with credit right now, mm -hmm. what message of hope do you have for them? I would tell you, if you were struggling with credit, number one, everything that you're experiencing is completely temporary. So don't give up hope. It's it's temporary and wherever you are today, take a deep breath. It'll be all right. But you do need to call me to get a plan in place so that we can overcome whatever it is today, get you on track and sincerely help is a phone call away. I love that. Just a phone call away. I love that. And there's no shame in this. I mean, this is a common problem that so many people have. We don't talk about it, but it is it is um, good to know that you're there, Jack. And, and this is, you're so right about that. This is one of those almost taboo things yeah. that nobody talks about. But I, I'm going to share a little secret with you. Everybody, absolutely everyone, myself included, I'm going to raise my hand right now. Everybody will have a credit issue at one time or another. It is not if you will have it. It's when it's going to happen and to what degree. So if it's happening to anyone else, don't feel embarrassed. Don't have a hesitation about it. Right. Just know you might have to say, okay, it's my turn in the bucket. <laughs> but um, there's always help. Right? I love that. There's I always solutions. It's, it's so important. And, you know, those things that we want to hide and feel shame about are only powerful when we're hiding them. And when we, you know, reach out for help and get help, then, you know, we can begin to, to change the trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so easy to do. That's great. Well, definitely. Um, if you want to learn more information about Jacqueline, about her business and how, how she can help you, we're going to include a link to her website down below. And I hope you will reach out. She's just an amazing person to have a conversation with. And I, I think you'll enjoy that as well. If you've enjoyed your, this episode today, we certainly hope that you will click on the subscribe button and stay tuned for more episodes as we help to empower people in all kinds of situations in life. Uh, we hope you have a great day. Thank you.